Hello, everyone. This is the Parks Academy, where we discuss and celebrate all things theme parks related. We focus mainly on Disney parks and resorts in both Anaheim and Orlando. My name is Paige. My name is Steven. And today we will be kicking off our World Showcase series. I, I'm, I'm so excited for this series. We have procured like almost all of our guests and have them on the calendar. This is going to be a wild one. I this mean, it's going to be a really fun one. We have some uh, newcomers. We have some returning faces. We have um, a lot to talk about. We have one guest in particular who is like bringing me all these insane ideas of what they want to do. And I'm like, listen, you know, it's consider it your show for that episode. You right. run with it however. Yeah. So I think we're going to get a lot of fun, um, different perspectives and stuff. And like, I don't have, we don't, we don't really have the show. The show doesn't really have guys. Right, right. Um, I think we're all going to learn a lot about the history of the different pavilions and about World Showcase in general, but also it'll be really fun to discuss with guests because it's really fun to always discuss things together and ideas that we might have to change things or make them better or what we would have done differently. But to hear from other perspectives is also always really fun. So, uh, Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I think it's going to be really good. So basically what we're, what we're going to do today is... Um, we are going to uh, start the series by just giving like a, um, I don't know, like an overview of World Showcase. Um, we're not going to get into the nitty gritty of any of the any of the pavilions, a little bit of its history. Um, and then we are actually going to, I was thinking we could start in Mexico because I didn't want to make people mad. But Paige wanted to start in Canada because I think what you wanted to get to the UK first or sooner. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to get the, all these ready to go. We're going to start in Canada, which is like goals that's what you like to do love that yeah figured i'd let you have this one well and also like i feel like ending with mexico will make it a little bit more exciting for people whereas i think the drop-off could be pretty severe if we like end in canada no disrespect to our northern neighbors but um i know it's gonna keep people hanging around because yeah. they're gonna want to hear about mexico keep them honest yep uh okay. what are you excited about this week uh, okay, so if you guys uh, follow us on Instagram at all or pay attention to what we're doing outside of the show, um, you will know that we are now sponsored by a, an amazing company called Neo Sabers. I, I I posted like a shameless video a couple days ago, even though I, I'm not like a video poster kind of person. I never really do that. Um, but these guys were so generous and so kind and amazing. Um they actually sent me um, after we we discussed like the opportunities of doing some work together. They reached out to me about some stuff, and then I floated, you know, maybe doing some sponsorship work together. Um, they actually sent me a custom lightsaber that they that they have in stock, um, and they sent me the original Luke Skywalker lightsaber from Return of the Jedi, and it is like you can watch like my my little video about it, but it is like the coolest thing I've ever ever seen. Um, it honestly makes the legacy lightsabers look like crap. It's true. Um, it looks super legit. It is incredible. And then I've told you this before, but I'm I'm talking to Paige directly. I've told you this before, but um, I'm I'm one of those. I'm like I'm very very particular about how things are and how they look, and I don't like to settle for things if it like if one little part of a like a product or an item doesn't fit my expectation. I just will keep looking until I find what I am looking for. Right. So the biggest issue with me is on the at the top of the hilt, on like the gold area on the um, Luke Skywalker uh, return um, or Jedi lightsaber. Uh, the the like kind of gold part 
is very thin in the films. And then when you buy the legacy lightsaber because of the way the blades go into the hilt, this is all super boring, but it's it's really important to me. You have you have an adapter piece. We have to unscrew the top of the legacy lightsaber, screw on another top, which has basically just a thicker adapter, and then the blade goes in. And so it makes it not look movie accurate, which I think is just super stupid. Um, this one, uh, there's little like um, um, there's basically like these little um, uh, connect. They're they're like they like they're like these little metal prongs that connect to the bottom. And so it's basically like, you know, the, the, cur the, the current of the, of the electronics are what connects the blade to it. Um, and it is an aluminum alloy hilt and it is just unbelievable. So I'm really excited about that. Um, we are going to be mentioning them in every show. And also we have affiliate links with them, which you can find on our website. And if you want to check these guys out, um, you can get 10% off your first order with the code TPA10. I would highly, highly recommend it. And um, <clears throat> one thing I would also say really quick too is if you get a chance right now, it's it's July 31st, jump on their uh, Princess Sales Week or Sale Week. They have 30% off a flash sale right now. So you do that plus your 10% off, like that's huge. And if you spend more than $3.99, you get a free saber worth $100. So like it's pretty legit what they've got going on. Awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. That was such a good deal. I know, I'm I'm like blown away by it because I've always wanted one of these, but I never felt like I could justify buying a custom lightsaber like this. And now I actually have one and I'm going to continue looking through their stuff because it is so amazing. Yeah. And now yeah. that you have one, you know, it's worth it. Oh, it's you so know it's, it's worth like the, cost. the most worth it. And these yeah. guys are out of Berkeley, um, California. Their, their stuff is just legit. So I'm I'm so happy. Yep. So, so Absolutely. happy with them. Absolutely. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. We're excited to have them on board as another sponsor. And what I'm excited about this week is I went with my mom to see the best movie of the year. Oppenheimer? Barbie. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, Barbie. It was amazing. It was all, all I expected and more. Every review I heard about it before I went into it, it even exceeded those expectations. So for everyone out there, that movie is for you. It's not just for girls. It's not just for women. Go see that movie. It was amazing. Great messaging. What an inspirational story of like uplifting other people. So yeah, ten out of ten. I really want to see it. Um, we had to. Make you know our... what's funny is before funny? I went with my mom, mm -hmm. you were like, I don't even want to see Barbie. When did I say that? Several times. When? Because don't make me seem like a like a toxic, terrible person. No, you just saw it and were like, I don't really. I don't really oh, you know care for um, Dumb Funny. Once mm -hmm. you found out Will Ferrell was in it, you were like, yeah. eh. So what happened was I saw Will Ferrell was like an executive for Mattel. And I thought um, Will Ferrell playing like a business executive for a already existing toy company twice in like a decade. So he did it for Lego. And then he did it for um, Barbie. I was like, that doesn't seem like a lot of times, but for how specific that role is, it's too many. Um, and so when I saw that Will Ferrell was in it, I was like, oh gosh, hard, hard pass. Um, but I really want to see it and um, I'll have to watch it when it comes out. We'll like buy it on digital or something. Yeah, I also talked it up for you. So you did. And I, I was going to see it anyway because I try to watch every film that could potentially be an Oscar nominee. Right. Um, you know, even whether or not I'm interested in it, I always watch them because I want to see all the Oscar films. Sure. Um, but this one does look very good. And after I've heard the ratings and 
um, it's it's behemoth of a of a box office weekend. I think it's I it's something that I need to need to see. And it's continuing to be a massive hit every single week, mm-hmm. like week after week. I I don't know what the numbers for Haunted Mansion were this weekend, but it I bombed. I saw something it this bombed. week, yeah, that it did terrible, and that Barbie still crushed the box office. Yeah, I don't know. I'll look up the exact numbers. Um, but the weekend box office for it was really, really weak. It, it got twenty four million <gasps> for the weekend opening. Twenty four. Yeah, I mean that is wow. so. In comparison, Barbie, Barbie had one hundred and fifty five opening weekend. Yeah. And what did Barbie have this weekend? Ninety three million uh, second weekend. So wow. yeah, I mean it's it's pretty rough. Um, and even like Oppenheimer was eighty two point four. And it's opening weekend, which yeah. is not bad. I mean, right. especially considering there's two films, you know, back to back, like, sure. right by right beside each other. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, wow. Well, I would still really like 70, to see Haunted Mansion. Seven hundred seventy-five million global. Okay. Already, okay. so for Barbie, so wow. um, yeah, big deal. Yeah, big, lots big deal. of really great movies out there. Lots of really great media this year, but. I think we're seeing the post-COVID movies, like all the productions that started and had to stop or the ideas were created Mm -hmm. during COVID. Yeah. And now they're all coming to fruition. So I think that's really exciting. One thing thing that I was reading that I found really, really interesting is that um, there's been three movies by huge name directors like Wes Anderson, Greta Gerwig, and Christopher Nolan are like three, like when you, you, when you think of their name, you think of their filmography typically. Um, as opposed to other directors who sometimes you may not, you know, connect the dots with all their entire um, catalog. But um, each one of them had a movie that came out within the same couple of weeks about people in a desert who were unable to leave for whatever reason. Um, and that's just super interesting based on like how if they started doing the screenplays and working on it, you know, a handful of years ago, yeah. that was very much where the mental space of everyone was, was like, we're kind of stuck and we can't go anywhere. And right. then there's three very, very fine films. Yeah. Um, that had that same kind of messaging behind it. Absolutely. So absolutely. Um, yeah, shame about haunted mansion though. I, there's, I really like, want to see it. I do too. I think I, I it looks too. really good. I really do too. But there are some articles about like why it didn't come out in October and why July. Um, All I have to say is weird. Hocus Pocus came out in July, and that movie has done just fine for itself. It has. Was that in theaters? I think so. Okay. It wasn't so, a decom. I'm pretty sure it was in theaters in July of 93, 94. Um, So, okay. So Hocus Pocus was released July 16th, 93. Opening weekend, it got $8.1 million. Mm -hmm. It dropped from the top 10 ranking after two weeks of release. The film was released the same day as Free Willy. Mm -hmm. Um, This isn't like the box office show, but um, yeah, I think um, the thing is, though, is that like, Oof. It's it plummeted. This poor film plummeted really hard. Um Hocus Pocus. Yeah, but the thing yeah, is, it it's didn't a, do it's well in theaters. Domestic, it got thirty nine point five million. Sure. Um, which is not great. But think about how absolutely famous that movie is now. Right, right. Yeah. But like it it grew legs. I mean that had, a, had like a real cult following. Yeah. You know? So Which I'm hoping will happen with Haunted Mansion too. Yeah, I hope so. Because I think um, the original, for how mediocre that movie is, I think that people love it, and they love the concept that it's tied to the Disney ride. And I think this movie has even more tied to the Disney ride. You know what I mean? Like, there mm-hmm. were more specific references yeah. to the actual attractions. Yeah. 
So I, I think people will, mm-hmm. I think people will watch it and I think it's probably going to do really well once it comes to streaming. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I mean, like Curse of the Black Pearls opening weekend was 46 million. Um, so it was almost double what Haunted Mansion made. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. We'll see. It doesn't matter. It's interesting. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter all that much. It's just kind yes. of an interesting thing to, I didn't expect it to bomb. Me neither. Um, I but, know. It's you know, sad. We'll see. Well, shall we get into today's episode? Let's do it. Okay, so we're talking about World Showcase, and this... um, (laughs) This series is actually going to propel us all the way into mid-October. So uh, we're starting today. This is going to be coming out July 31st, and then it's going to be going like mid-October. So basically strap in for the next 12 weeks. You have um, content coming out about uh, World Showcase. There's a lot to be said about different pavilions. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of pavilions. Exactly. Um, So as we know, um, Epcot was waltzed dream baby and what he wanted to have was this you know really uh, um, progressive uh, futuristic unlike anything else you've ever seen community where people actually lived and worked and commuted um and really the whole the whole point frankly of epcot beyond just having a good community was a place with a lot of transit so in all the old concept art that walt put together it was just you know transit all the way down so you had um uh, you had like, you know, uh, uh, monorails and little automated cars and bikes and boats. And I mean, it was just, you name it, like that's what he was really hoping to accomplish. And so um, obviously when he died, it was it was Disney's intent uh, nine years after opening up um, Magic Kingdom that they ended up opening up Epcot in 82. Um, early on, it was supposed to be a permanent World's Fair type thing. So obviously it strayed really, really far from, you know, what it was originally supposed to be. And, and, and obviously, you know, of course, we're, we're, there's no way we're ever going to see that. And that's, that's fine. Um, uh, it's too bad, but it's fine. Um, but that's what they wanted to do was kind of have a permanence world fair. And so part of the inspiration for World Showcase had to do with that. And it was to inspire guests to basically just like learn and make a more positive choice regarding the world they live in. Um, and uh, so in 1974, they actually... Uh, pitched the idea of having an international showcase. And um, at the time, it was actually supposed to be the main focus of Epcot because Future World hadn't been planned yet. So originally with World Showcase, with Epcot, you were just going to walk right into World Showcase, which I think would have been interesting. Um, Yeah, that would be weird thinking about that now. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like it is the main attraction, even though we do have Especially now that they're rebranding with World Celebration, World Nature, World Discovery, I still feel like World Showcase is the the grand big thing that people go to Epcot for. Yeah, it's the weenie. Yes. It's not the 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 spaceship Earth is the weenie. Sure, but it's still but it's that's, a big part of it. Yeah, it feels to me like people spend much more time there, and I'm I'm sure that it's a lot more equal than it feels. But yeah. because World Showcase is so much bigger in comparison to the front half of the park, mm-hmm. I feel like people go there for World Showcase. Yes. I mean, that's, yeah, I think that's that's totally, totally fair. So the original concept art uh, for World Showcase uh, showed it as two connecting semicircles. 
uh, buildings and they would connect um, all of the pavilions together. Uh, they wanted to have each pavilion entrance have the same amount of outside signage despite how much space was inside for each one. So essentially it was going to be like kind of an inside kind of thing. Um, this was done to basically show guests that not one pavilion had a better attraction than any other one. World Showcase would also um, include a courtyard of nations, a high-rise observation tower, and 30 pavilions set for each nation to display its culture to guests. World Showcase and its original concept were supposed to be the main draw of Epcot, kind of like I said. And, I mean, originally 30 pavilions is nuts, considering today we only have, what, 11? Um, yeah, 11. So that's kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, 30. Jeez Louise. Uh, yeah. So I'm just going to, this is, this almost seems a little redundant, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I think we should quickly just kind of, blast off which ones we have so obviously canada we're going to start there united kingdom france morocco japan the american adventure italy which i think they should just call it united states or america but yeah more power to them italy germany china norway and then mexico can i tell you something funny yes please if you look on a map that mm -hmm. is given out at epcot mm -hmm. all of the attractions and the map you know are ordered with numbers through the key, right? Yeah. Like you start and usually the yes. numbers start at the front of the park and mm -hmm. then kind of work their way in a systematic way. Could you guess which way the map starts with? I mean, I'm going to pull up a map to look, but if I had to guess, I don't I don't know. I mean, wait, within World Showcase? Yeah. I'm going to say America because they're... No, it starts with Mexico. Does it? It does, oh, because that's... that's the real way you're supposed to go. Okay, well... Because Disney wants you to go in a systematic route Okay. Well, from Mexico and end in Canada. Disney also wants you to buy a $5,000 drink <laughs> at the space the Hyperspace Lounge, but here we are. I would just like to point that out, friends, that's that fair. I like to start in Mexico. We're obviously, like Steven said, we're going to start with Canada for our podcast series, Um as, as he mentioned, this series is going to go into mid-October. And if you don't recall or you're new here, I am pregnant and due the beginning of October. So I wanted to make sure that I was present and available for as many episodes as possible leading up to that point. And I did not want to miss United Kingdom. So Right. That's it. And we're hoping to have all these recorded by like August. Right. So we'll see how that yeah. fares. Yeah. Start in Mexico. There's no right or wrong way to do it. If I actually had to have my druthers, what I would do is I would start in France uh, by way of the International Gateway or like start in like United Kingdom, come through the International Gateway, start in the United Kingdom and then wrap around because I really like going sure. in that direction, yeah. especially if you're utilizing the Skyliner. I love coming in from the Skyliner. It just seems so much more convenient to me. I agree. I, I, it's Yeah, it's nice. Um in 75, Disney invited dignitaries from Iran, New Zealand, Belgium, Venezuela, the United Kingdom, Romania, the Philippines, the USSR, Israel, Mexico, Italy, Greece, Germany, Denmark, and Australia to listen to their concepts. They all gathered at the Contemporary Resort, where they were wined and dined and, you know, given all this information about Epcot. Um, and two years after the, uh, the concept was introduced... Future World and World Showcase would be built at the exact same time. And part of this was because companies uh, funding Future World would end up having to help fund the entire Epcot project, which is to say the pavilions are not ran by their governments, nor 
do they pay for them? Yes. This is so, what we weren't sure about last week's episode. We were talking about it, and it sparked this whole discussion. We started yeah. some research and found that that is just a rumor. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. It, 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 it's a prevalent enough rumor to where I found a lot of information about it online. Sure. But it was something where, you know, they wanted to be represented well, and obviously they had say in it and things. But, yeah, they didn't pay for them. There's not upkeep from the countries. It's just yeah. Um, it's just Disney's thing. Yeah, and the, I also God. The, I was just going to say the only representation you really have is that in each of the pavilions there are actually employees, as whether it's part of you know the DCP or actual um, cast members who are from those countries themselves. So they they've really tried to make an effort to make sure that your experience in each pavilion is authentic, and I feel like by having individuals from those actual countries really adds to that experience um, because where mm -hmm. else can you get to meet so many people from so many different cultures and experience sure. the food and the atmosphere from so many different countries all in one space i think mm -hmm. that's just an incredible thing that disney's done with the world showcase yeah totally agree it's, it's really cool um okay so obviously we have 11 now right and um, it opened in October uh, 82 with those. And then Morocco was added in 84. And then Norway was the latest pavilion added um, like 35 years ago in 1988. So it's oh, been a while since yeah. we've done anything different with it. Um, so there are some never built countries in Epcot's World Showcase that were, that were planned at one point or another, but just never happened. So they had, there was four specific ones. Um, Equatorial Africa was one that they wanted to do. Venezuela, Israel, and Spain. And it, it turns out that if you are looking for it, you can actually find like the, like the, the branding for each pavilion online. Um, there was a, 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 sign, a signage around the park that said coming soon to World Showcase. And it mainly had Israel, Equatorial, uh, Africa, and then Spain on there. Uh, the idea for Africa, um, fortunately, has a lot of influence that we now have an animal kingdom. Um, and, you know, that's great because I think that having an African pavilion would have been really interesting. But, of course, you, you know, for, for the, to do it justice, especially with like safari things and all that, it would have been too cramped, I think. And they couldn't have pulled off what Animal Kingdom has so successfully pulled off in Africa. Well, right. Africa in Animal Kingdom is one of the best areas in all of Walt Disney World, I would say, in terms of the theming and the capacity that they have there. Um, I don't know that they would be able to do that justice in World Showcase. They, it's better to just direct people to say, hey, why don't you go check out Animal Kingdom? You can get a better experience visiting that Africa area. Right. So so with Africa, it would have essentially embodied like cultures from African countries. Uh, there would have been um, what they wanted to have was a huge 60 foot treehouse where guests would be able to climb up and look down um, and uh, on projected images of animals gathering around a water hole. Uh, there was going to be live shows featuring African musicians and dancers. Uh, they would have been hosted in an outdoor amphitheater. Um, the title show was going to be the heartbeat of Africa, and it was going to um, talk about, you know, the continent's culture. And um, like I said, even though it wasn't built ever, a lot of these things, including like, you know, the music and seeing animals and stuff was all brought over to 
um, to Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Um, that all sounds really awesome, though. It does, though, yeah. And they have been able to incorporate a lot of that. Right. Like, you have the street performances in Africa um, with the steel drums, and you have a lot of the music and the animals getting to do the actual safari. So I think they've been able to accomplish a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big reasons why they were unable to build it, though, was because um, of money. Uh, many of the nations that were to be involved, they just couldn't, you know, invest uh, invest any capital into the pavilion. Um, and um, what was I thought was really interesting too about Africa specifically was there was actually a ton of tension about which uh, country was going to be the main highlight of the pavilion, which is. So I mean, be like North America. Well, right. Like, there's that, so much you have to put in there. That makes sense because if you're doing Africa, that's an entire continent. So yeah, I mean, it's not like they have a pavilion called Asia. Like each country right. has so, its own separate space. Right. And so eventually, Disney ended up finding a South African company to sponsor. Okay. But there was too much political issue within the country, so they decided yeah. not to accept it. Um, it was intended to be between China and Germany, but obviously, it was never built. So yeah, interesting. Um. That's kind of what ended up happening. Oh, is that there. why that outpost area? Well, that's does why the African outpost feel is there. a little bit. Yes, yes. it was originally it was an African outpost for a short period of time. Okay, very cool. Israel, um, of course, like I mentioned, was another one that they intended to uh, to build, and it was advertised on opening day. It was going to be the ruins of an ancient um, uh, minaret, and it would uh, have served as an information center at the entrance. They were going to have a circular courtyard, and they were going to feature a group of market style shops. Uh, they were going to have buildings that surrounded the courtyard, and they would have basically been balanced between old and new style buildings, kind of much like how you know Israel in the Middle East is now with a lot of ancient buildings and stuff. Sure. Um, and they were going to have an amphitheater uh, that had performances with like classic folk music. Um, actually, in November of 1980, uh, the state of Israel did sign a deal to officially become part of Epcot. Um, uh, uh, Joseph Wolf, special officer to the Minister of uh, Finance and President of the Tourist Industry Development Corporation signed an agreement um, that called for the Middle East country to underwrite and design the construction of a World Showcase Pavilion. And it was the estimated cost for it was like 30 to 35 million bucks. Wow. So not cheap. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, though, it fell through in the mid 80s. Um, It's reported that many senior Disney company officials believe that including Israel as a part of Epcot would um, turn the theme park into a possible target for terrorism and potential protest. Wow. Because obviously there's a lot of Sure, the fight over the Holy Land and different, yeah. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting to hear like what they were going to do and why they ended up not doing it. Yeah. But I I could definitely see how that could have been. Sure, that makes sense. A sticking point. Yeah. Uh, So Spain, I mentioned, was also one that was on that opening day signage. Um, this was really a highly anticipated showcase. And if I may, I think that this would have been the one that I picked or would have been most interested in out of all the other ones that were uh, never never to come to be. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, there was a ton of major European powerhouses like France, Italy, and the UK that already had their pavilions. So for Disney, like adding in Spain was a pretty obvious addition. Sure. Um, Basically, what they were going to do was have the pavilion feature a journey through the countryside featuring the little-known Eden. Um, they were also going to have an addition, additional attraction as well as shopping and uh, dining experiences, just like every other pavilion there. Um, the marketplace would have featured both the new and old Spain, similar to what they were planning on doing in Israel. And, um, of course, uh, you know, 
the Disney, the pavilion was never built. But in this case, it's because they just couldn't find a sponsor to do it. Weird. Um, there were efforts to sign on Spain, um, but it was tougher. And quote, uh, when, um, when Baker, uh, one of the Disney executives, um, went to Spain for the first time in 81, he succeeded in getting the government to pay for the design of the country's pavilion. Um, but, um, as a new younger government, uh, took over in Spain, um, it just, they didn't want to do it and it was going to take too much time to, to, you know, start over. Sure. So it just ended up kind of falling to the wayside. Wow. This episode is brought to you by Deep Cut. Deep Cut are makers and purveyors of handcrafted, extremely high quality record storage and displays, shelving, slip mats, coasters, and so much more. We love these guys. They're based out of Minnesota, and they've been sponsoring the show for some time now, but we've actually had Deep Cut in our home for years. One of the first things that we got from them were actually our uh, flip record display shelves and their floating U-shelves that we just absolutely love. Uh, their U-shelves are beautiful. We have the walnut, uh, the walnut ones that are actually in our bedroom and hold some plants, some photo frames, uh, some books, things like that. And also we have their flip record display shelves in our sitting room. Uh, where our record player is, and we have all of our favorite albums um, easily accessible and, and ready to see at any given time. Um, I, I can't really say enough about how much we, we really love Deep Cut. Um, they're such a great company. Their philosophy is quality and, handcraftsman, uh, and handcrafted products first. And uh, it's, it's just one of those places where when you get your package, when you get your stuff from Deep Cut, you, you can just tell immediately when you pull it out. Like You can smell... Um, you can smell the wood. You can feel like the quality of it as you are, um, as you're kind of uh, pulling everything out and taking a look at your new products. It's, it's unbelievable. And frankly, it's, it's unrivaled. Um, we have as the Parks Academy, a very special promo code. You can use the code TPA10 at checkout and you will get 10% off your first order at Deep Cut. Listen, guys, I, I, I really got to tell you, um, you can go ahead and apply this to anything um, from their brand new tabletop uh, record stand, which I highly recommend. Uh, their wall cubes, like I said, their, uh, their flip record display shelves, their amazing turntable coasters. And um, also I love, I, I, I keep saying this, but I love their uh, floating U shelves. I'm such an advocate and, a, uh, and, and someone who um, just loves these products and will we'll, we'll tell it to everyone. I'm not saying this because they sponsor the show. I mean this. Um, we actually got their coasters not that long ago. And one of my favorite things about it is uh, that there's a detail in the middle of the record that says, listen to music the hard way. Um, again, I just, you know, their, their passion for quality and aesthetics and, and, and bringing forward a really great product is, is undeniable. So again, if you go to their website and you type in TPA10, you are going to get 10% off your first order. Thank you again so much to Deep Cut for sponsoring the show and being a part of the Parks Academy. And now... Back to the show. Okay, so final thing about about uh, World Showcase that is no longer there, and I think that it's worth just bringing up because, um, you know, it's, it was part of it at one point or another, was Millennium Village. Do you know anything about this, or have you heard of it? No, when was it there? All right, so it was a celebration of the year 2000, the new millennium. Okay. And uh, it was located right in the World Showplace, and it included exhibits from a variety of countries that were considered for the pavilion eventually, um, but that just never happened. So obviously we have like um, Brazil, Chile, 
Easter Islands, Israel, Saudi Arabia, Scotland, and Sweden. So they had some stuff from different countries to kind of help with the millennium celebration, but it just never, never happened. Weird. Weird, right? That is weird. I've never heard of that. So, um, I have a map that I might post in show notes, but it's really interesting because there is, it does show like where there's space for six new pavilions should they put them in. So in between China and Germany, um, there's two spots that are currently occupied by that African outpost. Um, right in between Germany and Italy, uh, German has a, Germany has a train display that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, that could have been a pavilion. Uh, the fourth spot was between Japan and Morocco, um, but there are various festival booths there depending on the season. So that's yeah. kind of a spot for um, you know many different kind of festivals. Sure. And then right kind of uh, on either side of the United Kingdom, um, it's occupied by um, uh, for areas for like special events and run Disney celebrations and stuff like that. Sure. So there yeah. is room technically to add in more, but I think that it might be a little bit too cramped in there. Yeah. The only one that makes logical sense to me would be between China and Germany because it's the most robust with like two opening spaces there. Well, and you can see if you're looking at a current map of Epcot that there's most available space on that back corner on either side of Germany, really. Yep. Between China and Germany and then even between Germany and Italy, like those are the two most prominent spaces on this Mm -hmm. map. And I don't know how to scale this map really is in terms of the land available. But, you know, a lot of the pavilions are built back behind. Um, And so I think if they did something like that to add in other pavilions there, I mean, there's so much of the world that's not touched by the World Showcase because think about how many of these countries are in the same area of the world. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of room for growth that we could add a handful of new countries. I think that'd be really cool to see some change. As you said, the last one was 88 Norway. Yeah, that was the last one. Yeah, so it's been a long time. I think it'd be really cool. Even if they added just two new ones, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, so if we go back in time to... um, the mid 2010s disney was talking about for a period of time they were talking about epcot's future and they were actually planning on um putting in you know one of two new pavilions um uh, there was um they were either looking at uh brazil um that was one option and then of course spain was another one that they were trying to bring back in um the 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 one for Spain was going to be based on a failed Disney project called Gigantic, which I don't think you've heard of it because I hadn't heard of it no, before. No, I have not heard of it. Um, it was going to be a computer animated uh, musical comedy film, and um, it was uh, it was it was supposed to be the 59th animated film from Disney um, following Frozen Two, but in 2017 uh, Disney had canceled it. Um, it was going to be set in Spain during the Age of Exploration and followed Jack, and he discovered the world of giants hidden within clouds. He befriends a female giant who's 11 years old, 60 feet tall, fiery, feisty, and a, and, uh, a lot to control. He uh, and estimates to be over 90 tons and over 100 or over 180,000 pounds. Um, and then she treats him like a, a living doll, and the antagonist, Storm Giant, stands at 120 feet. So there's like basic storyboard plotting for this film. Yeah. 
um, almost like a Jack and the Beanstalk kind of thing. So it sounds with the name Jack. Of yeah, the that's main what it character. sounded like. Yeah. Uh, but again, it was never, never to be. So because of that, they ended up, you know, there was a lot of reasons, of, of course, why they never had um, that particular, uh, you know, pavilion sure. open up. So uh, that is like kind of the the big overview of World Showcase. Yeah. Obviously, it's it's gone through some changes and things like that. I know this all sounds kind of stupid to say because people should know it, but I feel like it would uh, it would be smart for me just to at least mention that if you want to navigate World Showcase, um, there's a couple different ways to do it. You can take the friendship boats, you can walk, and at one time that was discontinued in the mid-1990s, they had the double-decker buses. Um, it was a 15, uh, it was last used as a 15-minute characters on holiday show that featured characters who would come out in different pavilions and sign autographs and take photos with guests. And all that kind of stuff. But now they don't have that anymore. Right. Um, there's a lot of history on that, but I don't think that's not really for here. I don't think as much. Right. So right. I have some questions for you if you're done with the history of World Showcase. Yeah. If you could pick two countries to add into World Showcase, what would you add? It could have been ideas that were scrapped mm -hmm. or it could be other ideas that you have. What two countries would you like to see added to World Showcase? Um, I think that it would be really, really interesting to see. Do you want to answer first? Sure. Because yeah, I'm prepared. First. That'll yeah. give you time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I would definitely like to see maybe New Zealand. We don't have any representation yes. okay. from Australia or New Zealand. So I think it'd be really cool. Well, Australia is a continent. Well, which yes. It was one of my th thoughts at first was Australia. Right. But then it's, a, yeah. But I just mean there's no representation. For, what is that technically called? Oceana? Yeah. Um, there's no representation from that part of the world. So I would like to see New Zealand. I think that'd be really cool. And then we don't have any South America, right? We just have Mexico. Yep. So if we could have that Brazil pavilion or um, I don't know, but what other country would be really cool from South America? Maybe Chile? Uh yeah, that would be really cool. Um, I'm trying to pull up a map because they could so do a lot of cool things with some of those South American Argentina countries. would be really interesting yeah. actually. I think yeah, um, a lot you could do there. Um, yeah, I mean that would be. So those would be my picks. Maybe yeah. Brazil, and New Zealand. Yeah, add in cool. some different areas of the world. Ecuador, you know. Um. Okay. So yeah, I mean that's that's a good. I'd say uh that's a good list there. Um. I mean, obviously, I'd want, I, so I would want to say something like Iceland or Sweden, but I'm not going to because I think that we have plenty of representation from like Scandinavia and sort of the Western Europe area. Um, I think that Greece would be really compelling and interesting. Greece or Romania? Yeah, Greece was another one I thought would be really cool. Mm -hmm. So I think that that would be really interesting. Um, and then, man, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe something along the lines of like Bangladesh or Nepal or something like that. I know it's kind of, you see a lot of that sort of stuff sort of in Animal Kingdom with like Nepal and the Yeti and whatever, mm -hmm. but that could be an interesting one as well. Yeah, that would be um, cool. You know, another option too would be something, you know, along the lines of like um, going a lot farther south. I know you had mentioned New Zealand, which would be really interesting, but like maybe like Indonesia or Papua New Guinea or the Philippines or something. There's yeah. a lot of opportunities there. Oh, that would be um, cool. For areas that I think are untouched and un unexplored. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then of course, you know, anything maybe in India would be, would be great. So yeah. that was way more than two, but those were good ideas. Yeah. But those are just my thoughts, you know? Yeah, Gotta absolutely. Prepare. All right. Second question. Okay. What are your top three favorite Epcot World Showcase pavilions as we're wrapping up this yeah. episode and getting ready to kick off our history series? What are your top three that you're most looking forward to talking about that are your favorite, that have your favorite attractions or food mm -hmm. or culture? Yeah. What are your top three? My top three would, I'm not going to make you go first. My top three would be, um, this isn't really in any specific order. It's just kind of a. That's fine. Uh, Morocco, France, and I believe that my third one would have to be, um, I think I'm going to say Norway. It's a tie Those between Norway and Italy, but I think Norway. So yeah, Norway, Morocco, and France would okay. be my top. Um, do you want to you, you care why at all? Sure. So of course I, I care. I, I'm glad. Um, so Norway, of course, you know, I'm, 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 I have Scandinavian roots. Uh, my great-grandparents were literally from Sweden, and my grandfather was full Swedish. So I have a lot of that going for me. So I'm very kind of drawn to Scandinavian culture. I wish it was like Iceland or Sweden instead, but so be it. Um, that's a big reason for that. And I like their shop. I can't remember the name of it. We'll, we'll discuss this all in detail on our show, but, um, that one is great. Morocco, I think has one of the best little areas to explore and walk around. They have all those like textiles and the water fountains and, um, just all those beautiful sort of like walkways and secret air quote secret areas where you can kind of explore and check things out. And then France, because I think that they have incredible, first of all, they have great like food and wine there. I love that area. Um, and, uh, the Ratatouille ride is there, which is a big deal to me because I love that movie. It's my favorite Disney movie, like probably top five favorite films of all times, actually. Um, and then, uh, you know, I just think the whole culture there is great. The vibe's great. And if you go during food and wine festival, they usually have, um, like some form of escargot, whether it's croissant or, um, whatever. So. Those are good answers. Yeah. Mine are different except i also would put morocco in my top three i could guess yours i'm not so, going to but i could guess them well it's pretty straightforward yeah. if you know me well so morocco because i think it's the most picturesque one i love even just the tile work on the fountain like i could sit in there and just look mm -hmm. at morocco all day yeah. i think it's the most beautiful pavilion the food is also delicious it is is it morocco, morocco where we get our photo every time yes as a family at, yep That's a lot at of the fun. fountain like we've one. been doing that since we first got married i know we, i don't know why but we we just found that fountain and we loved it when you walk right in and yeah. then we did a picture there every year and then we had our daughter in our photo yeah so every year. single time we go to morocco we sit in the same spot and we get a picture and boy do we look different from the first time we got our oh picture of the fountain. i look exhausted in the last one. It's great though. So Morocco, because of how picturesque it is, um, United Kingdom, as I said earlier in the show, I I wanted to be able to lead that episode. So we're starting that side of the world showcase. Um, United Kingdom, similar to Stephen's answer with how um his Scandinavian roots make him love the Norway Pavilion. My great grandma was actually from the United Kingdom. Um, and so I have a lot of like family heritage. My, my mom and I went to visit my family's um, little gardener's cottage when I was like in elementary school. And so I've always just had this longing for the United Kingdom. 
Um, and so that really feels homey to me. And then my third one would be Mexico. Yep, I knew it. And not just because I love to start in Mexico, but I have always loved the Mexico Pavilion, the food I love. I love Mexican food, but also the culture. Um, I was actually a Spanish teacher when I first started working out of college, and there's just something so wonderful about the um, Mexican culture. Um, I also love, love, love what they've done with incorporating cocoa yes, into agreed. Agreed. the parks and um, Dia de los Muertos, all of the decor that you see in the walkthrough the before. The Caballeros ride? Yeah. Clutch. I, it's just, you know, I I love eating there in the pavilion. I think it's so wonderful. Um, so for the food, the the shopping, it really feels like you're walking into a market in Mexico, which is very Indeed reminiscent of the time that we went to Mexico together mm -hmm. on our honeymoon and how we would go into the markets and haggle with people. Yeah, and it was cool. Yeah. So it just feels very culturally immersive to me and really takes me back um, to those days. So those are my three favorites, the three that I'm most looking forward to talking about on the show. I, I think that's great. Um, so next week, of course, we're doing Canada. I'm really excited. Like I said, we have a fantastic group of guests joining us on the show. And I, I, I'm I'm like really, really excited about this. I think it's going to be great. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's it. Um, well, thank you guys so much you know, for listening. We, we really do appreciate you tuning in every week and, and sharing your thoughts and, and being excited about the show with us. Um, I just wanted to one more time thank our two sponsors, uh, Deep Cut, who are uh, an incredible craftsman of, 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 of vinyl accessories and displays. Uh, we love those guys, and you can get 10% off your for first order there with the code TPA10 at checkout. And then, of course, our new sponsor, Neo Sabers, uh, handcrafted, gorgeous replica lightsabers that are just the real deal. Check them out. Link in bio, TPA10 for 10% off that order as well. You can find us on Instagram at the Parks Academy and online at theparksacademypod.com. Um, we look really forward to uh, spending the next 11, 12 weeks with you guys talking about each pavilion, and we will catch you next time.